Welcome to this edition of Rural Perspectives brought to you by Ag Country Farm Credit Services. I'm Don Wick. Back with us this week is Katie Tang, a market education specialist with Ag Country. And Katie, as we look back, uh, we, we certainly know volatility has become standard place in, in the marketplace. But what we saw Thursday was uh, just a, a crazy wild ride. What, uh, what was happening in this market? It really was, and it was something, I think, a combination of circumstances coming together, but it certainly wasn't pleasant for a lot of people, and it surprised, I think, even those that were, were on the right side of it. But so Thursday, we had beans, front month contract down more than a dollar, um, the back month's down about that. Uh, corn was down the limit, which is 40 cents for it now, um, and, and we did stabilize afterwards. Um, you know, Friday was a little bit not a little bit, it was a lot calmer. Uh, but what we had was the first part was the day before that, to kind of frame this up, the day before we had soybean oil, which has been on a runaway move higher, had finished limit lower. Well, when one contract in the soy complex finishes um, limit down, well, not one contract, but three of the soybean oil, anyhow, finishing limit down, it expands the limits across the whole soybean complex. So soybeans went from a seventy-five cent limit that they normally have to a dollar fifty. That was the day before. So we we knew there was going to be expanded limits. Didn't really expect it to come into play that much, but that's where we were at. Now, when we moved to Thursday morning, um, kind of a few things coming together. One, uh, we had the Federal Reserve that said inflation probably worse than what we thought, and they're calling it transitory. I guess we'll see you know, how transitory it is, but they made this remark about inflation probably going to be worse than what we thought. And we had a whole bunch of hedge funds sitting there saying, oh, well, the Federal Reserve has now recognized this. We probably should take our money out. So they started to liquidate. There was also, at the same time, uh, rumors that another hedge fund possibly blew up, which very well could be. We'll never know for sure. But, um, and in that case, they start liquidating positions. So we had the market take some lower. We had a liquidation, a forced liquidation possibly. We had other liquidations from head funds, and it kind of all came together at once. When you have a trade that really doesn't function like it would have maybe 20 years ago when we had a floor, floor trade and there was humans right there and we kind of stable things off, a lot of this is run by computers now. So once you get to a certain point, it just starts triggering sell orders, and, and that's really what happened. And it wasn't just the grains that saw it. It was across everything. It was across grains. It was across meat. It was across uh, metals, soft, all of it. Um, stocks I've seen it before. You know, I don't know if this technically qualifies as a flash crash because it did go on all day, but that's the same type of situation we're looking at. Now, once we get there... A lot of things other you know start to happen. How does this affect a technical outlook? How does this affect you know future fund trading? And we haven't quite figured that out yet. But what we do know is that the fundamentals underneath this market haven't changed. They're the same on Friday as they're on were on Wednesday. So you know we have to take a look at that. The other part is we've had such a move lower. If demand is really as strong as what the market has believed. We should be seeing buyers step in pretty, um, pretty quickly. 
especially Chinese. There is some rumors that we did see some Chinese soy purchases um, on Thursday night. They haven't been confirmed at this point. But if that's true, that's going to go a long ways in supporting this market and building some confidence. And then we'll see the buyers maybe start to step back in. Like you said, very much uh, because of what's happening with the, this being an electronic type of trade, uh, it really brings to mind how this volatility is is a day-by-day experience for our growers. It is, and it, it's very tough. And the other part making it seem maybe more apparent is if you go back a year ago, where were we? We were at really low prices, and we maybe had five-cent moves a day. And that had gone on for a long time going into this. So you get used to that kind of, yeah, prices are low, but they're not moving much. It's just boring market. You get used to that psychologically. Well, in the course of a year, we've had such a big turnaround, and we're at higher prices. We're going to see bigger moves. We're going to see different, you know, maybe not what we saw Thursday, but the volatility is going to be there. And it probably feels a little bit worse just because of what we've been used to. But this is the market we're going to deal with and probably the market that we're going to have to deal with at least through the summer until we know what kind of production we have, if not longer. Well, I've been reading markets close to 40 years, and in those early days, you've, you saw a quarter, half-cent move. It was a it seemed like a big deal. And when you start swinging soybeans by a dollar or more, it, uh, I had to learn how to read that again. It was hard to even <laughs> see what the screen was looking like when you're seeing those kind of moves. It really was. And to underscore, when you look at option contracts, you know, Thursday at the close, um, July options were set to expire in about a week. Um, and with a week left, they were worth 40 cents. So that just tells you how volatile the market is because there's no time, there's not much time left in those options. And that was, you know, at the money, well, that market's telling you we're expecting some really big swings. If I'm going to sell you this, this put, I'm going to want money back for that because I'm taking a lot of uh, of additional risk. So the market is recognizing that the risk is there. Uh, uh, there's a lot of debates, you know, on, on how you you manage that. But for right now, you know, starting this spring, we had larger position limits allowed for funds, and we had expanded um, permanently expanded price limits. So. At this point, this is the market situation, and this is the atmosphere we're going to have to deal with. It's hard on producers, but I don't think it changes necessarily the approach that we have to have a plan and we have to be disciplined in executing it. There's, It actually really makes it that much more important going in that we know where we're going to be making those sales. And yes, psychologically, it's very, very hard to pull the trigger, especially you know, the drought situation we're seeing in the Dakotas does make it, you know, we have to change our approach a little bit. But the underlying principles are the same is it has to be disciplined. Well, you mentioned the fundamentals haven't changed. We're working ahead of that acreage report. Uh, how big a deal is that going to be as we look at uh, going forward here? It does make a significant um, impression on the market. So the first part is, with that first acreage report in March, there's a lot of talk that there was acres not recognized. You know, we don't have enough. There's really more corn acres put in, maybe more, you know, 3 million more corn acres, we'll say, 94, because that's a pretty common trade number. Okay. Um, where did those acres come from? 
a lot of it is probably going to be on the fringes, Dakotas, Kansas, that type of area. And if this was a normal year, that would be a big deal. You know, if we had had perfect weather and it looked like we were getting a good crop, Mark would really struggle to absorb those kind of acres. But at this point with the drought we have, where those extra acres are located, if they show up, is going to tell us a lot. Because if those extra acres are in the Dakotas, like we would suspect, the condition of those acres is probably not great. So production potential in those greatly diminished, and we have a balance sheet that's pretty tight. You know, we're running 2012-like stock-to-use ratio for both corn and beans. You know, the flip side of this is, say those acres did get planted corn. Well, that means they didn't go to soybeans. And soybeans also have a really tight balance sheet. So, you know, it's kind of one of those things we don't want to rock the boat too far in one direction. But at this point, we're not sure how big the waves are. So you don't want to go too far, but the market's trying to hit a moving target. Where those acres are located is going to be a big deal. That's maybe a bigger question right now than um, how many more acres were planted. We'll be waiting for those numbers from USDA. I'm guessing in our next update we'll uh, review what uh, what came out of those uh, acreage numbers here, Katie. Appreciate the chances always to, to connect and get an idea of what's happening in this marketplace. Yep, always nice to talk to you. Again, this is our latest edition of Rural Perspectives. It's sponsored by Ag Country Farm Credit Services. You can always find out more at agcountry.com. I'm Don Wick for the Red River Farm Network.